If prepping for this episode did one thing, it made me realize I really want a nice juicy rib steak right now. Welcome to Strive, Seek, Find. I'm Chance Whitmore. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about grilling and barbecue. Along the way, we're going to talk about fuel types, strengths, weaknesses, what I'd select if I had unlimited funds, and generally have a good time with it. Let's get started. All right, for today's purposes, we're going to use the traditional definitions. Barbecue is going to refer to low and slow cooking with indirect heat. And grilling will refer to direct heat. In other words, the heat source is directly beneath the food. Where I live, these terms you get used interchangeably and incorrectly. So I want those definitions clear up front. First up today, we got traditional gas grills, or I like to call them convenience on a stick. They're great for walking out, hitting the button, and getting started. And because of that, there's less prep. You don't have to do anything besides turn the gas on and hit a button. There's less to clean up. With a good burn-off, there's not even a lot to clean up, unless you got something really messy on there. Gas is easily available and pretty darn cheap right now. These things are affordable. I've seen them as cheap as like $119. Though you can spend over a grand quite easily. And probably the best feature they have is you can get a nice sear without any problem. With these strengths, you'd think this would be everybody's hands-down favorite. And for many people, they are. For me, though, this is my least favorite of the grill slash barbecues that you can get on the market for a variety of reasons, starting with, most importantly, flavor. You might as well cook on a stove. You're dependent upon additional smoker boxes and sauces to create flavor instead of good wood smoke. And since they have a continuous flow of heat, they don't hold heat very well making a gas grill unsuitable to smoke a big piece of meat like a brisket or a pork butt. You're wasting a lot of gas there, and the, the product isn't what it should be. And a truly personal con is the last one of these I owned when I was learning to grill and barbecue. I somehow managed to get one with a faulty metal mix. And after about a year of using it, I was doing chicken thighs, greasy to begin with, so you're going to have flare-ups, but it flared up and somehow the metal caught on fire. And when I got it all turned off, after it shot a plume of fire and smoke a good 10 feet in the air, I was left with a crumbling mass where the firewall had used to be. A little research showed that it was a bad batch and they'd been recalling them. But I will never own another gas grill as long as I live. Next up, charcoal. These are obviously very, very popular. The most popular version of these would have to be the Weber's and the Weber knockoffs. Globes with legs. 
They always remind me of the old World War II sea mines. They're a good product, and there's more ways to do it than just the globe. Outside of my house right now, I have an offset smoker that runs mainly on charcoal. So there's a great variety and style on, on the charcoal grills. The pros to the charcoal grills and barbecues, it, one of them's cost. You can find a grill for $30 or less, depending on the sale, and charcoal's fairly reasonable. You get some good smoke flavor, especially when there's drippings coming off the meat and causing little flare-ups of smoke from the, the charcoal. These devices are designed to be easily used to smoke or barbecue, as well as grill under direct heat and get a good sear on the meat. With the right tool, in this case a chimney and a piece of paper, they're pretty simple to light. Unlike the gas grill, which you can kind of set and forget temperature-wise, charcoal grills are much more difficult to control the temperature on. You have to have time to prep appropriately. It takes about 30 minutes to get a good bed of coals, possibly more depending on the grill and the wind conditions. And there's ash, so there's more cleanup. And in my opinion, you need a little bit of experience before you're going to get a high-quality product. Good charcoal grilling is amazing. But bad charcoal barbecue tastes like lighter fluid and sorrow. The biggest problem, I'm going to go back to it, temperature control. Charcoal grills, no matter the quality, require a lot of time and attention if you're going to do a brisket, a pulled pork, in order to keep the temperature at the level that you want it. And... I would still use my charcoal grill for anything. Depending on the quality of grill you have, you just have to be willing to put in the time and attention to create a great product. Some of the best ribs I've ever made have come off of a charcoal grill. Now we come to pellet grills. This always feels like a newcomer to me because I haven't had experience with these until the last four or five years. The strengths in the pellet grills, simple, strong temp control. You can set it, forget it, walk away. Because you're choosing what wood goes in the hopper, you can select a variety of flavors if you're smoking. I personally prefer the hickory or the cherry. There's a surprising number of cons to these, however. First off, you have to have electricity to run the heating element and fan. Most pellet grills don't get to a high enough temperature to put a good sear on meat, to get that good caramelization on the outside. These tend to be more expensive, more like a, a gas grill in the mid-range or above, and the smoke flavors are a little bit light. That being said, it's a strong product. Personally, I have one of the cheaper Cabela's models which, if you know Cabela's, they generally have a pretty good product. And I will do anything on it. I have done brisket. I've done pulled pork. I've done my ribs. I miss the deeper wood flavors from time to time. But the convenience that you don't have to give up an entire day to do an 18-hour cook and can just spot check it. The convenience alone 
makes it earn its spot on my back patio. If I'd get smart, I would do a hybrid cook where I put the heavy layers of smoke using my charcoal wood grill and then finish it with the convenience of the pellet grill. I'm going to have to try that experiment for another episode. Next come the big dogs. The wood and the wood charcoal hybrids. Only place I've seen these are on websites or in rib cook-offs. I wish I could have one, but with uh, price tags for a normal one, starting at like a grand and going up from there, I've seen some of these rigs with their own trailers going up above $20,000. They're a little out of my price range. They're harder to come by. You have to know what you're looking for and go either have one custom built or order one online and have it shipped on a flatbed to you. This is serious low and slow barbecue. You have to have your own sources of fruit and hardwoods. Let me add my personal favorite combo, combination of cherry and white oak on your ribs. Perfect. I will admit I dream of one of these, but only if I start doing barbecue competitions. They're great for everything, but you are going to pay for it. Probably through the nose. Many of the people who own these have aspirations well beyond being your average backyard barbecue maestro. I've seen these with built-in gas jets to keep your fire burning at a certain level. Make sure you get a deep smoke. And we're talking a lot of times quarter-inch steel being put on this. They're pretty incredible. I would gladly take the opportunity to cook on any of these, even the least of them can put out a far better product than what 90% of what you see on the market. Now, moving back out of dreamland, which would I choose to use? In a perfect world, I'd have at least two. I would keep a charcoal grill for high heat searing and a pellet grill for the low and slow smoking. After putting the smoke on with the combination of wood and charcoal, Unless I win the lotto, of course, in which case you're going to see a great big trailer in my backyard. Worth checking out. Documentary. Handcrafted on Amazon Prime is more than worth the look. My favorite episode is actually the first one. Watching a skilled butcher break down a cow and explain in detail what he is doing. Once upon a time, I had a bit of butcher training little more than 30 years ago. After watching this, I'm going to call this guy an artist. There's a minimum of waste, a calm explanation on what he's doing and why, and the results are laid out for you. He also makes sure to mention how it's used and how many he can get generally out of something. Beyond just the quality of the documentary, it's a good reminder of where our food comes from. I personally think we're all too disconnected to the process of how food comes to our table. This one does it well. Please, for your own sake, check this out. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, leave a review or tell a friend. 
If not, please reach out. I'm open to feedback. Until next week, keep seeking your own brilliant future. Have a good one.